Hello Magic Seekers and welcome to Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts Tracy and Shannon and welcome to our podcast coven. I'm so happy to be back with you this week and joining me today is the lovely Laura. Hello. And we are so excited to welcome a very special guest onto the podcast. We She's are. the author of 10 life-changing non-fiction books for women, including Medicine Woman, She of the Sea, Creatrix, and her best-selling book, Burning Woman, which has become one of my all-time favourites. And I urge all of our listeners to either read it or tune into the audiobook version, which is just as powerful. Burning Woman is a deep exploration of women and power written for every woman who burns with passion, has been burned with shame, or in another time or place would have been burned at the stake. Her work is dedicated to supporting women's empowered, embodied expression through her writing, teaching, and art. She lives in East Cork, Ireland, where she runs Womancraft Publishing, creating life-changing, paradigm-shifting books written by women for women. So it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Lucy H. Pierce. Thank you so much for joining us. Delighted to be with you. Very exciting. It's my first Australian podcast, so there we go. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Honor. Thank you. <laughs> and we're just saying how amazing it is that we're talking to you halfway over the world. Like it's, it's just the wonder of technology. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, long live technology. Like there are many, many issues with it, but it has been incredible for connecting creative people, connecting people of different kind of alternative spiritualities and connecting women, you know, women who were often, you know, at home with kids, kind of lives are kind of, you know, a little bit stuck by some geographical things. And yet we get to connect like this. It's fabulous. Oh, it's amazing. Here, here. <laughs> yes. So there's so many things I would love to talk with you about. Uh, and, yeah, considering the vast body of work you've created, I feel we'll most definitely have to get you back on the podcast for another episode. <laughs> but today I would love to talk to you about your book, Burning Woman, and mm. the wisdom within its pages. Uh, even though it was published back in 2016, I feel after recently revisiting the book that it is so incredibly relevant uh, for what we're going through as a collective today through the pandemic and all of the fear that's in the world right now. So do you feel that too? Mm. I really felt that with both Burning Woman and the next one, Medicine Woman, which um, is kind of Burning Woman's sister book, which kind of emerged as Burning Woman was finishing. Um, and Medicine Woman is obviously about healing and illness and long-term illness, autoimmune conditions, stuff, you know, conditions that emerge after viruses, um, which wow. haven't been looked at. And so I was recording the audiobook for um medicine woman in the middle of the pandemic and mm -hmm. I wrote a, an introduction to it a new introduction just to say like it is incredible how prescient my words were and mm. 
that my my dearest hope is for medicine woman and with burning woman both that things that had previously been niche things that previously women had been struggling with kind of alone privately were now becoming mainstream focuses for uh, research political attention which can only be a good thing because previously um these struggles that people have had with with not being believed um, when they were long term sick, for example, um, suddenly with the the advent of long COVID, which is being suffered by huge amounts of medical professionals, that thing of not being able to believe someone is gone. So now mm-hmm. they're actually having to take things seriously, and the same is true with Burning Woman. I mean, I wrote Burning Woman before can- cancel culture was really a thing. And I, this is going to be really controversial, but I do believe that cancel culture is a sort of witch hunt. Um, the, The way that people are ostracized and silenced and made totally unacceptable by a whole community and rejected is is our kind of modern day witch hunt. It's, it's, it's a use of power to silence other people. So whilst, I fully believe words shouldn't be used to hurt people and people who are using positions of power to to hurt and abuse others is not acceptable on any manner of means. I think this cancel culture thing is a, a modern day kind of example of what witch hunting has become. So I think it's it wasn't on my mind when I was writing it because it wasn't a thing. But that mm. certainly is is something that is very alive. Mm. It's an interesting. Oh, it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just how that the words you wrote back then would have so much resonance today. Um, it's mm. yeah, quite amazing. I mean, it? the thing is, when I write my books, is a lot of the core material is done in it's difficult to even describe. I would call it, it's channeled. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that there is an entity that is speaking through me, you know, kind of as some people do, I don't have, you know, a specific source, but stuff emerges very fast and very intensely through me into my journals, um, which isn't my normal brain kind of Mm -hmm. working, functioning. It's not my normal process of thinking. And the the volume of information that comes through at that times is something, again, that I, you know, I would love to be able to sit and write, you know, 10,000 <laughs> words a day doesn't happen as a normal kind of process as a writer. But as whatever this thing is that comes through me, that is the core of most of my books. And that is the, the material that really... Mm impacts women very strongly and that is often the very prescient material so obviously there's a huge amount of research and intellectual underpinning to my books as well as my personal lived experience and my interviewing of and asking other women to contribute their lived experience because I I feel that that's a really vital part of research and um, evidence that is often kind of overlooked or or minimized in, in many books, especially in academia, um, it's lived experience is very much seen as, as secondhand, kind of less important. But um, this, whatever this channeled material is, 
holds the great wisdom for us and and has messages for us beyond what I personally know from my own research. It kind of it's it's oh it's hard to explain. But anyway, <laughs> that bit that is the the prescient bit. Like I'm very good at observing patterns. Um I'm autistic and so pattern seeing is my how my brain works. So I'm mm. very and I'm I'm slightly detached from the mainstream again so I can look at what's going on in in a kind of a macro sense as well as a micro sense better because I am slightly detached emotionally and um just as a person from mainstream culture um but there is a big dollop of whatever comes through in those books that comes through it isn't me lucy pierce mm. it's like a download yeah sort of yeah process would you say i'm really sorry you froze just there oh like a download would you say would you liken it to yeah. receiving mm. this this information totally and i feel really uncomfortable it's you know obviously between you guys that's fine but in if you say that in a really mainstream kind of you know place like that's yeah you know that puts you into the realm of crazy into woo-woo into unreliable because you know you are you are repeating something that you can't claim authority over that isn't perhaps intellectually rigorous that isn't necessarily logical um it is irrational in the in the most basic sense of the word and yet humanity since the beginning of time like the roots of what has been good and strong and real and true and necessary for our cultures has always come from the irrational come from Mm. the world of soul spirit whatever you want to define that as uh the collective psyche the energetic whatever words you want to put on that that is where the stuff that shifts stuff in our cultures comes from um it's just it's easier for our culture if we can then say that that was inspired by the god that we're all supposed to believe in um the god that has been prescribed by by patriarchy it's Mm -hmm. more tricky if you don't want to fit into those boxes and say it comes from somewhere i don't know where or it's come from my soul or it's come from wherever like it's fine if you say God said something to me and that's exactly the same God as is in the Bible, then then everyone's happy. <laughs> but that's not even supposed to happen now either. Do you know what I mean? Like all oh, these absolutely. people who are hearing yeah. voices in the Bible were hearing the same sort of stuff that I was hearing. Like mm. it's all the same stuff. It's just, it was fitted into a nice little box and said, this is acceptable. This is approved. And everybody yeah. else who has that experience is crazy. Mm. No, that I can resonate because, <laughs> yeah, when I, I wrote um, a guidebook for my Oracle deck and that came to me in a similar way that you spoke of, it was these downloads and I even reread you know, these pages of work that I'd done days later and I couldn't even remember writing it mm. and it was like, wow, like I wrote that? Mm. It's Yeah, mm. so I, I completely can resonate with what you're saying about it coming well, through you. Well, the first you. thing that happened to me was um, I was at university and I just, this idea popped into my head and it so amazed me. And I was like, God, that's really 
cool and interesting. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm so clever. I've just thought of this. It was like, whoa, I've got to write that down. That was so interesting. And I literally kept writing all day. And, you know, I, I moved from the uh, university into a cafe, then back into the lecture halls, then onto like I was sitting on the toilet at one point writing, <laughs> then on the bus on the way home. And about eight hours solid of just page wow. after page after page. Like there was no thought involved. It was just mm. write as fast as you can to get this down because this is incredible stuff that if you don't get it down, it's gone. You know, it's not yeah. like you can retrace your thought steps and processes to get there. No, no, no. If you don't get it down, you've missed your chance. When it's on, has, it's on. Yeah. Has that mm, happened? Yeah. Has that happened and you haven't written it down? Or did you just have this presence of mind that this is happening and I must I must record? I, as much as I possibly can, I write it down because I know that that, that is my role. Like yeah. I am in relationship with whatever this is that comes through and my part of the deal is to write it down <laughs> and to listen. But like, you know, it can come through when I'm in the shower. It can come <laughs> through when I'm driving. Driving's a big one. So uh-huh. if I've got a child in the car next to me, I will say, grab a pen and paper, start taking dictation. <laughs> <I> love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Get the voice memos on your phone going. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Although it can be tricky because voice memos, I'm then hearing my own voice, which is oh. then slightly off-putting. Right. Interesting. Um, mm, That's going to be the written um, word. Also, I do um, I do direct transcribe. And obviously, sometimes it's not always getting your accent or getting the word because you're talking fast or you're slightly blurred. And so it will then do the wrong word. And again, that's very distracting. So you're trying to correct it as at the same time as yeah. getting down this information. Um, I've, I've developed memory techniques to hang information on so that I can remember the big nuggets and I will repeat a phrase over and over again in my mind until I know I've got it for sure. And that seems to act as a kind of a... Um, it seems to have some engagement with the process because it kind of, it will either mean that I take away like three or four lines that are crystallized and I can reaccess it because I've got them. They're like the keys mm. to yeah. reaccess, reactivate the process. Um, or I've got the essence of what it was about. And then I, as a creative person, can expand upon that because Beautiful. I've had the mm. whole experience. So mm. I then have to find my own words rather than using the channeled words. But um, wow. so I do that if it's coming through a lot late at night and I've got to be up early in the morning for kids and school and I'm just not going to be functional if I stay up until three writing. So that's the point when I, I, I literally say in my head, okay, I need to sleep now. I'm really yeah. grateful for this process. I'm really grateful that this is happening, but I, as a human being, need to sleep. <laughs> you so, get your mummy voice on. <laughs> yeah. And I will have scribbled down as much as I can. And then I just say, thank you. But that's it for me to ton- tonight. I, I, as a human, need to rest. <laughs> wow. Oh, I love Amazing. that process. Yeah. Thank what you for gift. sharing that with us. Yeah. Yes. And thank you yeah. for honoring it. Like, you know, totally that's... off 
off talking about burning woman but that is how my books happen so. i love it well that's yeah, even great yeah, that's amazing yeah. thank you for I sharing it. thank you for honoring it so many mm. others can can learn and be touched by those words truly it's a mm. gift well in it's your something book, that, um, sorry it's something oh, no, that is, <laughs> is tricky to articulate yeah um but i know it can be very useful for people to hear because mm. Often when they experience it themselves, they don't quite know what to do or they don't know what's happening to them or because it can feel very overwhelming, like this huge amount of information coming through. And do I trust it? And what do I do with the information afterwards? So um, I teach a course on it called Your Authentic Voice, which kind of helps people to kind of connect with that. And then in my book, Creatrix, I talk a lot about the creative process and that voice that we do have to turn up when we create so that we follow the guidance of that as in you know kind of yes keep following this path no that that's not taking you where you need to I think everybody creative needs to develop that skill but the channeling bit isn't what everybody does I know that for sure Mm, that's so interesting Um, In your book, you refer to the burning woman as a lost archetype of the feminine. Can you Mm. please tell our listeners who she is and what she represents? Okay, so first lost archetypes of the feminine. So an archetype is like an energy blueprint. Um, It's a set of characteristics that can be identified throughout human life in history and cultures it 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 goes beyond both it is a a part of our energetic and psychological makeup that expresses itself through us and so as women we tend to have had very few archetypes that have been allowed to us which have been um prescribed by um by patriarchy so mother is obviously one that we're allowed to do um but within very kind of narrow remits of what is acceptable um you know queen and princess the princess archetype is you know really sold to little girls in in our culture um but very few people are allowed to be queen like beyonce and that's about it you know (laughs) good point (laughs) then then there's the martyr archetype, which women have been really got to, to buy into. But there's a huge amount of other energetic ways of being in this world, which have uh, obedient daughter, daughter, good girl. They're mm-hmm. big ones that we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But something like the trickster isn't encouraged for women Whereas, you know, you're allowed to be more of a joker and a trickster as as a male in our Mm. culture. Um, And then there's just many other ways of being a woman, ways of expressing your energy, um, some of which are gendered, some of which aren't, which are just off limits for women. They are considered not feminine enough. Um, They are just not there on the palette of being that is allowed to us. 
And so my work has been in uncovering these energetic blueprints that have been banned by our culture, have been uh, silenced and shamed in our culture, and which I have discovered within myself. So they are parts of me that I have been taught are unacceptable and have learned to cut off. And I've learned to cut it off because it was, I saw it as wrong because I'd been taught that it was wrong. Um, and so I would feel very alone and sh ashamed because mm. this essential part of me that I could feel bubbling up, I would have to constantly use my energy to push it back down again, to silence it, to change it into something else. And that's a, a really horrible place to be, um, feeling ashamed of your basic self. And then I kind of, once I started to get the courage to look beyond me, and especially through books to begin with, I could see and hear other women talking about these aspects of themselves that they were having to hide and shame. And I was like, ah, so it's not just me. This is obviously something that lots of us share in common. So what are these parts of ourselves that have been shut down? And how can we feed our life force, our energy back into that so that we can become wholer selves rather than just the very narrow um, set of characters and characteristics that our culture wants from us. Um, so that's the basis of Lost Archetypes of the Feminine. So um, Burning Woman is one, Medicine Woman is one, Creatrix is one, She of the Sea is one. Uh, we've got um, the Ashen Woman, who is the flip side of um, Burning Woman. You know, these are terms that I have given to energies which I feel within me and which I see outside of me. Mm -hmm. um, like they're not definitive. They're just, mm -hmm. they're just names that I, I have given to those which seem to resonate with who have found it very empowering to be able to give words to something that they felt inside without, um, without which that part remains in shadow and silence mm. um and i think that giving words is perhaps our most potent form of magical ability because when you give voice to something when you give words to it it makes it real it takes it from purely the inner sphere into something that be can be communicated to others and therefore seen touched expressed because as soon as you've got words for it you can write about it you can then draw it you can you can discuss it with a therapist you can tell stories about it you know so it's a really valuable tool and it seems to be that is what my work is and for me it is extremely healing because it has taken me from a place of huge inner turmoil and confusion as to what parts of me were acceptable and what parts weren't to being able to express myself in 
far more of who I in the world. And I think that's all we can and should aspire to do is to fully express the gifts and talents and abilities and self that we are born with. So Burning Woman is... Can I read a bit from it? I just feel like Absolutely. that was... Absolutely. Yeah, that would be amazing. That would kind of help um, to express her. We are living in burning times and they call for burning women. This is our time to come out of the shadows and burn brightly. Let's throw off our clothes and dance around the fire together. This is a wake-up call to the burning woman within you. It is a hymn to the powerful woman, to the crazy woman, the mad one, the witch, the hag, the creative woman, the dancer, the poet, the artist, the activist, the sexual woman, the strident woman, the playful trickster, the passionate woman the wild mother, she who follows her own spirit, who dares to put herself first, she who shouts in the face of authority and follows her heart, not their God, she who dares to give voice to what is inside her, who shakes things up and burns them down, she who quakes with rage and rolls with laughter, who moans with pleasure and wants more. She for whom every piece of life needs to have the marrow of its bones sucked, who dances naked and eats with her fingers. She who stamps and says no. She who stands in the doorway and will not let them in. She who opens her legs and dives into her juices with delight. She who dares. She who does what they say cannot be done, must not be done. She who tries and fails. She who does it her way. She who longs to walk topless in the sunshine and dance naked in the moonlight. It is for her and all of us who long to be more like her, wherever on the path we may be. We who have sniffed the smoke as she walked past our door one hot summer afternoon and thought, I long to burn, but I mustn't. I'm too afraid, too old, too young, too busy. I don't know how. I'd lose my job. My husband would divorce me. My mother would disown me. My friends would laugh. This is for you dearest one. You are more powerful than you dare believe. This is for you, burning woman. Arise. Mm, wow. Chills. So powerful. It's so powerful. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. So the short answer is burning woman is a woman who is deeply connected to her own inner power and life and expresses that through vulnerability, nakedness, both, both, um, both metaphorical and potentially literal nakedness, 
who confronts patriarchal forces of power with her own inner power burning and gives her own vision, which is deeply connected to her own inner power. That's burning. Mm. And she's a power to be reckoned with. I love it. She is. She is. And she is Mm. who would have been burned as a witch in the past. She is Mm. who is shut down and shamed and silenced now. Yeah. Our culture is very uncomfortable with burning women. Mm. Yeah, very much But the only way that burning women can actually be controlled, apart from the fear of the attack from outside, which we then internalize on ourselves, so that we live in fear of that power that we feel within us. The only other way that burning women can be controlled is by keeping us apart and silenced. Mm. As soon as there's enough of us talking about this, expressing ourselves, connecting with ourselves and each other, the what we have been told we should believe, how we're told we should be, that goes up in smoke. Mm. Yeah, that's what that's a big driving force behind these podcasts that we release to talk mm. about these things. Yeah, to share because shame only there. exists in silence. Shame only exists yeah. in in the shadows. Shame Absolutely. cannot exist when we are connected. Mm. Absolutely. I run uh, women's circles as well, and I find that is part that I love about gathering the women is mm. the vulnerability and the power that can be harnessed through witnessing each other in your most vulnerable states, whether it's celebration or grief or anger or rage or but just holding each other in that is such a powerful thing as women um, to do. For We're each other. told to to withhold all of that because mm. because it's shameful. And so the most scary thing to do is to express our vulnerable places because we have believed the lie that we are alone in those vulnerabilities. And the circle of women breaks that lie straight away because if you are able to be fully present whilst another woman... So that being fully present means you step out of judging and into a deeper sort of listening the chances are that each woman who speaks, you will hear part of your story, your truth coming out through her voice. And as soon as we start realizing that despite our external differences on sexuality, marital status, uh, skin color, race, religion, age, all of these barriers that are put up to divide us, as soon as we realize that actually we're hearing our voice coming out through somebody else, we can't but help feel connected. Like mm. it's just such a basic human thing to create connection and community. And it's what is so sorely missing in our culture. The, the reason that most of the stuff that is happening can be happening is because we are disconnected from each other on a primal base level. Mm. That's so true. Even I think even with mothering, like we're not meant to mother alone. We're not meant to raise babies by ourselves. And no. it's that's when I think I really felt the disconnect when I had my children quite young. And mm. even though I had a, like a mum that was very, very supportive and a sister that was very supportive, but they weren't there like they would have been 
in times mm-hmm. gone by, I guess, when we were all living in villages and not as busy and mm. and there physically for each other more. So mm, absolutely. And climate change is another big one that like if we actually as humans gathered together and were able to share how scared we were, how sad we were, how disempowered we were feeling to do with this impending destruction of the place that we live and we're actually able to collaborate to make changes happen rather than it all happening at arm's length between, you know, big men swinging their dicks basically and kind of, you know, (laughs) trying to both look like big tough men whilst preserving the economy. If people Mm. actually were able to get together as people, we would want to solve it and solve it fast because it matters to us and we care and we care about each other and we care that these places that we live and love, you know, are are under threat. Like that's just basic. But mm. instead we're and social media has kind of helped and hindered both. Like it it's brought us together, but it's also making us fight it out to the death through words, which yeah. just yeah. And it, oh. it can also create another front. It can create another mm. face that you then mm. another barrier that you then have to break mm-hmm. down. Mm. And again, be honest. Yeah. And as soon as and, and things that you have to defend, and as soon as you go into defense, you know, connection yeah. can't happen. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Um, I have another question for you. So I love that you also talk about the burning men in our lives and mm. standing shoulder to shoulder as equals in true partnership. And can you explain mm. who the burning man is? Um so interestingly, in, in the book, so you know. I I give quite a hard time to patriarchal religion in in that book Um, and many other patriarchal institutions. But, um, you know, I I put down that, you know, in my eyes, um, JC, Jesus Christ, probably would have been a burning man. You know, like the, Mm. the he was his modus operandi was overturning tables of tax you know tax collectors and gathering together people and connecting and communing like you know he was he was working from his inner burning his inner knowing his his inner power mm. um so i find it really interesting that the the structures of of a patriarchal religion are actually based <laughs> on the energy of a burning man. But anyway, mm. that's beside the point. That's um, how it gets so translated. Man, <laughs> <laughs> so a burning man um, is, again, somebody who is connected to their inner burning, their inner fire, rather than acting out their patriarchally approved role. Um, and so connected to their inner feminine as well as their inner masculine um and who really sees and supports powerful women who doesn't want to assert themselves over the top doesn't need to belittle a woman to feel powerful and strong um knows how to work in partnership and knows how to honor and respect the immense power that comes through a woman's body especially at certain peak times in life, orgasm, birth, um, healing, creativity, like that has a a respect for that power. Um, 
and acknowledges it. Mm. And but the main thing is just the ability to work in partnership, not threatened. Mm. Yeah, not threatened. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. So now let's talk about the W word, which I know it has had such negative connotations throughout history. So what does the word witch mean to you? Mm, I mean, that is, we could do three podcasts on that. <laughs> All right. I agree. You heard it here. Lock her in. <laughs> um, so for me, that has been something that I have been unraveling and unraveling and exploring and getting more comfortable with for years and years. And it's still so which as archetype, there is the negative patriarchal archetype of which, you know, the ugly woman in the, the woods who's a danger to everybody and, you know, must be controlled or put to death. And in the, in Burning Woman, when I bring up, so obviously Burning Woman, one of the risks of being a burning woman is that you get burned at the stake. You know, mm. women who are powerful get burned either literally in the witch hunts or psychologically, metaphorically, through words, through cancelling, all of that. Um, that is the punishment for a burning woman. So. In the book, when I introduced the term witch, it was with great trepidation because I really wanted the book to be taken seriously. And I, you know, as soon as you start using the W word, you've got people who won't take you as seriously. But like calling powerful women witches has been a large part of our culture for centuries. So, I mean, anybody who doesn't want to agree with that needs to go and read a little bit of history. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I I started by making the point that when we're children, like think of when you were three or four and you were in nursery school and you have the ABCs up on the wall and each one's got a picture, like A is for apple, B is for ball, W is for witch. Mm-hmm. And witch, sure. witch is the negative patriarchal version of that is the green faced scary woman so right there when you're a tiny child understanding how the world works what the basic building materials are apple ball cat dog witch so witch is a negative feminine portrayal right there do we have r's for rapist no we don't do we have p is for pedophile no we don't we've got k is for king Okay, so Mm. we've got the king and we've got the witch. You probably will have a Q for queen because what else begins with Q? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? There is no negative masculine archetype there. Mm. And children, that little, are taught to both laugh at and be scared of a powerful female figure. They do not get taught to laugh at or be scared of a powerful male figure figure who is in this era far more likely to do them serious harm Hmm. word (laughs) yeah far out that's very powerful so that and then (laughs) in the next paragraph because you know then there's obviously the accusation of oh about school and 
this is for the fat lovely guy who left me an amazon review saying that you know uh, why are you trying to get all the women to be ceos and and you know anyway (laughs) (laughs) um so the next paragraph down gives an example which happened as i was writing the book which is from your neck of the woods from australia Mm -hmm. where um Um, somebody had been accused of serious misconduct in politics mm-hmm. and was being reported on by a female journalist who had brought this to um, to light. And his response was to call her, on the record, a mad fucking witch. Wow. And I was like, mm, people want to say this doesn't happen. <laughs> there you yeah, have it. Does. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man it who was, you know, of the establishment, having his power threatened because of his own actions, which he wasn't able to hide. And when he was called to account by a woman, defaults to that as a slur. Which, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and mad though. Mad with that lovely double-edged sword, which I go into a lot in Medicine Mm. Woman, mad, handily meaning both crazy, insane, therefore somebody whose word you cannot take seriously, who you must immediately discount because they are mentally not functioning properly, but also mad, angry, out of control, therefore irrational, therefore you can't trust them either. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's that oh. power, that ability to speak truth to power, which I am reclaiming in my own life and which I reclaim in Burning Woman. Mm. It doesn't mean I'm magically a totally assertive person who has no fear and doesn't desperately want to be a good girl sometimes to be fitted in to fit in to be accepted to be loved like it's not a magical transformation it is a work in progress but Mm. it's knowing what the energetic roots and the historical roots of this are so that every time it comes up in your life you can see it and go ah that's the dynamic I'm dealing with right here Mm. that's the part of myself that I've been made to be scared of that's a situation where I have been conditioned to be a good girl rather than speak my truth. Mm. That's so powerful. Yeah. Important. I love that your work, yeah, really encourages women to stand in their own personal power and to lean into the fire rather than shy away from it. And it struck a really deep chord with me when I read your book um, and you spoke of the burning times. And when I first started this podcast and recorded the first ever episode, I woke up the following morning with that deep feeling of dread and mm-hmm. like I was going to be found out and persecuted. And um, yeah. I think I even spoke to Tracy. I rang her and was like, I feel like just deleting the whole thing and not putting it out there mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, like the feeling of fear and danger within my body was so real and so visceral um, just for speaking publicly about my work and who I am as a person uh, and what I believe in so and I know that like rationally I'm not in danger I'm okay and I'm safe but I 
it's uh, the witch wound. It's the witch wound. And I'm mm. sure it's past life stuff with me for sure, or a collective, mm. you know, tuning into that energy. So in regards to the witch wound, how can someone recognize as if, if this is something that they are experiencing? And if so, how can they heal it or get through it? I think what you just said there is literally all that needs saying. <laughs> I mean, I can try and answer it, but you, you've named it really, really well. It's noticing the arising of that energy, that fire from within, and the feeling that we get when we express it as this is this is my true expression this is my truth I'm, I'm I'm being pulled or drawn to do this and then that reflexive shutting down the vulnerability hangover the shame that lashes and like women who haven't publicly stepped into speaking their truth sharing their truth as art as words as projects of any sort often don't because that fear stops them right there. They feel that energy rising in them and they're like, whoa, that's big and that's scary. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Or they rationalize the danger that they will be in, which is true. Like I've, I've got to balance the fact that whilst I feel in personal danger every time I put out one of my books, the reality is a lynch mob is not going to turn up to my house, even Mm. though it feels like it will. But the reality is if I am a politician, a female politician, the chances are I will get daily death threats, rape threats that my male colleagues will not get. Like that is reality. So women are still silenced by actual threats. Mm. So we're not crazy or stupid for believing that that could happen because it is a possibility. Whether it's a reality all the time for us, no. And that's when our, our minds we need to engage with, when we feel that fear, that shutdown vulnerability, I've done too much, I'm going to be burned. That's when we gently work with ourselves and realize that is past lives speaking to us. That is our instinctive understanding of the patriarchal system speaking to us. And we honor that and we respect that. But we then look for evidence. And is the evidence, like if you are getting death threats, then yes, you need to Mm. re-navigate how you're doing this. You need to keep yourself physically safe. But if you're not getting death threats if the evidence is the majority of people are accepting of it a couple of people are sniggering behind your back someone's been a bit of a bitch but you'll live then you know that you are safe enough you ground yourself you soothe yourself you allow your nervous system to be regulated once again with however much rest you need however much self-care you need could be weeks it could be months that's fine you care for yourself first you respect because for your nervous system that is reality like that Mm -hmm. isn't that isn't like oh it might happen it might not like your nervous system is primed at that moment for genuine physical attack so you need to respect that um 
And for me, that's something that I didn't do. I I scorned at myself. I scoffed at myself like, oh, stop being so stupid. And so then we learn to push through. When we learn to man up, we learn to push through. We learn to force ourselves. And the biggest thing I've learned about living in my female body and honoring the feminine that comes through me is not forcing. Because Mm. women have been forced forced to do what goes against their body's wishes, that goes against the core of their soul. We have been forced to do that through patriarchal means for the whole of patriarchy. So the biggest gift we can give to ourselves is to promise, I will never force again. Because force is a sort of soul rape. Mm. Yeah. So when we agree that we will express what we need to express, but we will check in with ourselves and we will keep checking in and we will keep caring about ourselves in the process and we will keep taking steps which might feel scary, but we are always in connection with ourselves in that process, then we can do great things. Then we can challenge ourselves to move out of our comfort zones, but at all times we are keeping our basic nervous system and soul well-being at the forefront of what we're doing rather Mm -hmm. than using that energy and our bodies as something that is to be disregarded something that is to be punished something that it's fine to disrespect ourselves because it's not and learning that that self-respect is the work of years of unlearning Mm -hmm. Because we have been taught since the beginning to negate our needs, to put other people's needs first, to not be too much for anybody, to um, to be the good girl. Mm. And being the good girl always means you are honouring or respecting somebody else's power before your own. Mm. That's so well huge. said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think even... Um, what you were just touching on, even with periods, like you kind of brought up to whack a tampon in and get back to work and just get on with life. And I think that's been a huge learning curve for me over the last, you know, five or six years of taking that time to honour my own cyclic flow and Mm -hmm. honour those different points um, when I'm not energetic and when I do feel like curling up on the lounge with a hot water bottle where years ago I wouldn't have done that. I would have just kept soldiering on and I burned out. I suffered terrible anxiety, bouts of depression because I was in fatigue and my body was just not cared for. Um, You know, it's it's those basic things I think that we need to relearn um, to nurture ourselves and to tune in with our bodies and how we're feeling because we are cyclic as women, aren't we? Mm, absolutely. I mean, we're we're raised to sideline and ignore every part of our bodies that is in any way different to the norm as in the male mm. body. So, you know, you ignore your period, you ignore the changes of energy that happen throughout your cycle, you ignore the fact that being pregnant is massive, you push the baby mm. out and are expected to get straight back to normal. Mm. Like you have children, so what? you know, carry on as normal, like normal. Celebration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the get your baby body back and get back to work six weeks later. And yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Six it's weeks? crazy. 
on the, the proper tough women get back into work the same day like <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh it it's is. a lot it's so a lot of kind of yeah. To ourselves and and other women. It's huge, huge. Deconditioning and healing and honouring. Honouring those thresholds. The kinder, yes, absolutely. We need to be kinder to ourselves than everybody else. But, like, actually it comes down to respect. It's basic Mm. respect of our human physical and psychological needs. Yeah. It's just it's so baseline it's it's not emotional in any way in that sense it's just I mean you can take a very biological approach to it that if your body does not get the things it needs it will not function properly if if your nervous system doesn't get what it needs it will get stuck into a non-functional survival mode like it's often people when you talk about like self-love and stuff, it's it's really tricky because that's an emotional thing and it's a feelings thing and it's hard to. Yeah. Whereas if you actually just go at it on that really baseline biological, what do I need to function optimally? What yeah. do I need to function? Mm. Then it takes any kind of moralistic thing out of it. You don't even need to worry about do I love myself? No, fucking what do I need to function? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That because awesome. you wouldn't say to your baby who's crying, like, you know, <laughs> oh, you know just love yourself more. No, they need it. They need <laughs> They're hungry. I can feed them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. We wouldn't I'm hearing apply, you. Yeah, we wouldn't apply the same things that we've been taught to apply to ourselves, to, to, to children or to older people. Or we'd just be like, oh, yeah, they're, they're exhausted and they need to rest. Mm. Great. Yeah. yeah There's no, no brainer. Yeah. Oh, so let's talk about the dark. So I love that in your teachings, you're not all love, light and rainbows and life is certainly not that way. And it's something that's so integral to witchcraft, honoring both aspects within ourselves and the world around us. So can you talk to us about the initiations into darkness and why it is so important to honor, honor that part? So I feel like I'm a broken record. I believe in patriarchal culture. If you don't, then you're not going to really gel with me. So in patriarchy, we are very much taught to split between good and evil, light and dark. Like everything is done according to that dichotomy. Things can't be paradoxical. They can't be both and. They can't be um, some of this and some of that. Um, And so throughout starting with Christianity then continuing up through western philosophy into the enlightenment the light was seen as good a spiritually good thing that should be the only thing that you engage with and reach towards so Jesus God was seen as the light of the world which people were supposed to be drawn to um, and the devil was seen of the dark realms, the realms underneath, which is why witchy women were accused of dancing with the devil, being the devil's mistresses, not because they were into worshipping devil stuff. Most of them had no interest in Christianity. I would, I would think they were just doing their thing. Mm. But within the framework of Christianity, if you are not of God, then you are of the devil which is where that connection got made. Like if, if 
if you're not worshipping God, then you have to be worshipping evil, which we witches know is not true. We're just... Yeah. Yeah, we're engaging with nature, we're engaging with cycles, we're engaging with our own energy and power, we're engaging with baseline energetics. Just the the other narrative is just not part of our framework. And then moving up into the Enlightenment, uh, light was then moving away from religion and towards a rational uh, framework of society based on thought and rationality. So the light of reason was contrasted with the dark of the irrational. Mm-hmm. So again, a lot of the things that witchy women would be drawn to, dreams, the energetics that we can't explain, the soul, um, they were all cast into the irrational and therefore the dark. And then through... Um, you know, these these strong currents of light, dark, then played out through colonialism, where the light, white-skinned people were the good guys, and the natives, the dark-skinned people, were irrational, and they they had devil-based practices because they weren't worshipping the white people's god. And so then we have the racist connotations coming into this light-dark thing. The dark is other. The dark is primal, and our primal instincts are distrusted by patriarchy. They are seen as something that we should overcome into the rational mind, into connection with the divine. So this desire to... And the darkness was... was Irrationality was obviously connected to women because of our cyclical natures, because of our abilities to to shape shift um, through our cycles, through childbearing. That aspect of woman, her primal connection to the life force and to her body was found to be irrational and disgusting and distrusted. Mm. Um because men didn't do it, they didn't understand it, they could do without it. So women were in some way defiled simply by being female and having these connections to the darkness. And obviously female is other. So again, we fall into that category of dark and other. Mm. So as women, we have learned to be scared of the dark, literally scared of walking in the dark because of fear of rapists and murderers and people that don't appear on our alphabets. Um, And we're taught, like a friend said to me just the other day, she's got a 16-year-old girl, she said, I told her never, ever to walk alone. Mm. And I was like, whoa, we're talking anywhere, ever? Yeah, let alone in the dark, this deep fear that we still instill into our female girls that she didn't say that to her son. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so we are taught to be scared of both the external dark. That's not a place for women. Women need to stay safe. They need to stay inside because we're under threat. And because we're under threat, therefore, somehow it's our fault. It's our problem. So we need to be responsible to keep ourselves safe. Um, rather than sorting out what's happening out there in the dark. Um, But also we need to be very wary of the irrational sides of ourselves, the the internal shape-shifting energies, um, 
the darkness, the irrational, the um, the soul, uh, depression, all the dark things we don't quite understand. We need to be careful of that. We need to stay well away of it. And we need to reach towards the light. So mm. burning woman really acknowledges that the feminine exists in the darkness mm. is of the darkness because it has been othered partly but like even if you want to look at um you know yin yang chinese going back thousands of years like the feminine is associated you know with with the darkness there is something something there for us as humans and so what burning woman explores is what about the feminine dark the dark of the womb the dark of safety and being held the dark of the void of where transformation can happen where all things are possibility the crucible of creativity what if we engage with the dark in that way mm. and it then explores kind of different ways that we can be initiated and initiate ourselves into that experience of darkness. So that rather than seeing it as something other and therefore something that we reject about ourselves, instead we find safety in that, we find excitement in that, we find power in that which has been rejected and othered, the darkness which is full of the potential of power. Mm. It is where power comes from. That's incredible. Beautiful. You're so, yeah, articulate with the way you explain yeah. things. I, I Redefining love it. Redefining <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you also touch on baptisms of fire in the book, um, initiation into the fem- feminine power. So can you define what this may look like if you're having a baptism of fire? Mm. So lots of us know about, you know, obviously baptism <clears throat> It's where the spirit is seen to em- enter um, somebody during Christianity. It's, a, it's an initiation, a rite of passage. Whereas a baptism of fire is an initiation of and from the feminine. Um, and what it looks like is a burning down of ourselves and our lives as we have known ourselves to be before. So it could be a death or a series of deaths. It could be the loss of a job, the loss of a partner, the loss of a home. It is a an event that often seems to come out of the blue, often tend to come along in threes like buses or even more, like clusters of, I mean, like what I would call a clusterfuck, like, you know, mm-hmm. like shit coming down at you from all <laughs> angles. <laughs> Uh, where you can't, you you lose the sense of what's up and down, what's left and right. You just, you are barely making it through. Everything that you know of who you are in this world, what your role is and how you function has just been shat on from a height and gone. Like you do not know who you are and how to function anymore. So it is big, mm. like Big, big, big. <laughs> it is the sort of thing you would not wish on your, eh, maybe your worst enemy, but not, you know. <laughs> and also it doesn't tend to sound believable when it happens. It It's yeah. the sort of thing where new agey people would say, oh, you brought that on yourself by whatever, you know. Whereas, uh-huh. you know, you can't make forest fires and 
your partner leaving and your mother being diagnosed of cancer all within a year. You can't make that happen. Like, yeah. And yet you are the one experiencing it basically liquefying you. Mm. So the baptism of fire burns away your persona. It burns away your worldly identities and your ways of functioning and requires that you build back better. Rebuild. That you, yeah, that you reconnect with the tiny little spark that is left somewhere in the pitch blackness of what has become your reality. And you seek that out and you grow your life again from there. Mm. Like the phoenix. Yeah. And it is a horrific process. Mm. But that's where you have to start readjusting your relationship with the dark because otherwise you see yourself as being punished. Mm. Otherwise, yeah. you see yourself as victim of this process when, no, this is a process of transformation. It is the soul process. But the logical daily mind does not understand it, cannot engage with it. And the outside world does not support you in it because they don't understand you in it. They just want you to get back to normal. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so true, to understand that as an inherent part of the process of the feminine, the process of the soul, of the psyche, that helps because suddenly you're not attacking yourself in the midst of all the shit coming down to. Suddenly you are caring for that tiny little spark in the darkness and caring for your physical body in the process, rather than berating yourself, rather than feeling sorry for yourself, you are able to understand that on one level, it is totally personal. And on another level, it's not. It is literally just a process that happens to especially powerful human beings at some point, often several times in their lives. Like it is, it is a form of initiation. Mm. But we are not surrounded by people who understand that and can support us in it usually. Usually we're surrounded by people who will want to medicate it away or deny it, not talk about it, deny its importance to us. Like they'll understand, yes, your mother's sick, but why are you so upset? And what's, you know, they don't get the inner work that is going on at that time. Um and just, sorry, a side note there, that's not me slamming medication. I am on antidepressant medication and have been for several years as part of my process. So mm -hmm. I feel it's a very valuable tool that we have, but it can be used to shut down transformation mm. too. Whereas if it is being used as a life boy for people to help them stay alive whilst they process mm. everything that's going on, then it is something that I am very, very grateful for. Mm, well said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So if any of our listeners are hearing the call of the burning woman, how can they set about reclaiming this part of themselves and stepping up into their personal power? I mean, really, it's, 
the baseline is you reconnect with what is wanting to come through you and mm. find ways in which you can support yourself in making that happen. Because each one of us are spark our need to express what we need to express in this world is so different you know your calling isn't my calling isn't somebody else's and that's that energy is needed in the world whatever your calling is be it caring for you know sick or mentally ill people if it's to be the best mother you can be and start a motherhood community if it's writing a book or protesting climate change like whatever your burning desire is see how you can support yourself in bringing that out into the world because that energy is in you for a reason it is needed mm. at this time that's mm. yeah so true so very true and is there any particular quote from burning woman that resonates with you deeply and would you mind reading it to our listeners so this piece called living revolution is something that has been quoted a lot of times and even made its way into an arts uh exhibition on the other side of the world which just blew my mind (laughs) and this it leads on directly from what I was saying and it just, it matters to me. So this is the, the, the final words of, of Burning Woman. We often fear that the revolution needed is too big for what we can give. Too much change is required inside, outside, and we are too small. But all that is required is that you step into the truth of your life and speak it Write it, paint it, dance it. That you shine your light on your truth for the world to see. And as hundreds, then thousands, then millions do this, each sparking the courage of yet more, suddenly we have a world alight with truth. We are shifting ourselves. We are shifting the world. We are filling in the space where our voices were silenced, filling in the blanks where our images have been lacking. We are weaving her story into reality, creating their story, reaching beyond religion and patriarchy and capitalism and so-called democracy into the new ways of being and seeing. We are the bridge between worlds. We are the ones we have been waiting for. Wow. Oh, thank you so much, Lucy. That was just magic. And I know our listeners are just going to lap up every single word you just said then. That is for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Now, on our podcast, every week we have a divine tool of the week. And each episode we love to share with our listeners, you know, some kind of tool or herb or crystal or anything that they may 
like to incorporate into their magical practices. So is there anything in particular that you love to use in ritual? A box of matches and it works perfectly with Burning Woman. Because, yeah, one, I can't function a lighter. I I may have opposable thumbs, but I can't function a lighter. (laughs) Um, But a box of matches I use for lighting candles on altars, on tables, um, for ceremonies. I use them for lighting herbs that I've bundled and dried. I use it for lighting fires to warm our home and bonfires outside that we gather around and love and for burning burning words that needed to be written but don't need to be read Mm. um that needed to be spoken out loud once and then they're gone and so I think a box of matches is every burning woman's tool. And also we can look at it metaphorically that, you know, just that power of lighting a spark and, and seeing the power that just one little can do is, is important metaphorically for us to remember. It doesn't take much to have great impact. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I'm going to go get myself a box of matches instead of my lighter. I'm inspired. (laughs) Indeed. I love it. That chat was so deep and so insightful. Um, Thank you so much from from the bottom of my heart and I just can't wait to be able to gift this to all our listeners. Thank Mm. you. They're going to love it. And do you have anything brewing at the moment over at Womancraft Publishing that you'd like to share with our podcast coven? And also please let us know how everyone can find you and your incredible work. So um, I'm at lucyhpierce.com um, and I'm on Instagram. That's where I love to hang out. I love connecting words and images because I'm a visual artist uh, in all sorts of media as well as a writer. And so, yeah. Instagram is really where I share my magic nowadays. Um, And womancraftpublishing.com is where you can get signed copies of all our books. You can read more about our books. And um, talking of of this kind of downloading thing, yesterday morning I woke up and it was just, you know, kids were back to school. It was like, yay, you've had (laughs) them for a week and now you get to do something. And I was just on Instagram and I was like, hmm, I've loved sharing stuff for the season of of Samhain Halloween here. Um, But now it's November and, you know, it was wild and it was windy and it was cold. I was like, I want to keep the magic going into November because I know a lot of people struggle as it gets darker and colder. And I'm really aware this is totally not appropriate for your... (laughs) (laughs) It makes it even better. (laughs) I've nominated, but a lot of you guys are in lockdown, probably needing a bit of magic. Yes. Um, So I have called it a month of magic. And so we're inviting all of our community to share little magical things in their daily lives. You know, things that they find on nature walks, sun coming through their windows, you know, the way their cat looks when it, you know, is looking like the learning to identify the magic in our everyday lives and the magic that we can make in our everyday lives. Um, And each day there'll be a photograph from us with a quote from one of our books. 
And then I was like, ooh, this can be a book because I love making books. So yesterday I spent five hours, boom, from my first idea to putting together a book, a collection, PDF collection of these quotes from, I think there's 10, 10 of our woman craft books, wow. all on the theme of magic. Um, finding the magical, making the magical, what is magic, how magic. Um, so I put that together with some images. So it will be available on the 30th of November to everybody who has signed up to the Womancraft mailing list as a little gift to, to give everyone a boost of magic to come back to whenever they need to, to continue that month of magic onwards into their lives. So that was oh, that was what perfect. came through me yesterday. <laughs> that sounds absolutely divine. And I'm already signed up to your newsletter. So yeah. So you'll get my hands on that one. <laughs> we'll pop a link in the show notes of where you can go and uh, find that newsletter and sign on up to it. Mm. Fabulous. We and- do try to keep it as unsalesy as possible. Yeah, you know, we do yeah. a monthly newsletter of exciting resources that our authors are offering many of them are free and then we tend to do care packages once or twice a year which is a bunch of completely free resources by our authors and having done the month of magic I was like oh we could do one for some Bridget's Day so there'll be a some Bridget's one um and it's definitely something I'm going to do more of just to really collate the wisdom of the circle of women who write for Mm. womancraft on different themes so that women have got that like in a handy on their phone I can just grab it when I need a few words of inspiration it's there perfect Free. beautiful thank you oh thank you so much for all of your amazing insights and words of wisdom and just your beautiful energy it's it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor connecting with you and yep. thank you for being on our humble little podcast we're so excited <laughs> thank you for your time you so I'm for just looking out. at the time I can't believe how long we've kept you <laughs> I know I'm sorry I do talk oh it's <laughs> oh, great no, I love fine it with us we do listen <laughs> yes <laughs> wow Shan what a treat that was amazing I'm just buzzing from all of that beautiful information and insight and knowledge and wisdom yeah. and and I'm going to go buy myself so, a box of matches. Matches and just a few more books. <laughs> yeah, so many books. My gosh, I, I think I need to read Medicine Woman next. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. And mm. she did say it was on um, Audible, didn't she? I think yes. she mentioned, yeah. Anyway, I just remembered we're still recording. So thank you everybody for listening. (laughs) Lucy was so amazingly generous with her time and her insights. Um, I'm Yeah, like you said, I'm buzzing, but I also feel so honoured and humbled that we um, were there for that chat. Absolutely. I've got no words left. I'll just leave it at that. And I hope you all enjoy it and we will see you again next week with another amazing guest. Ooh. Ooh. Watch this space. Bye.